Luke chapter 2, starting our reading there in verse 1, second chapter, book of Luke, chapter 1. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made by Serenius, was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with, his, uh, with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord, in reverence before you. I confess to you that I've sinned against you, and Lord, I pray that you claim that promise that you've given to me that you'll remove my sin as far as the east is from the west. And I call upon that this morning because of what Jesus has done for me. And Lord, I pray that you would put something in me that I can't do within myself, that in, within my heart, within my soul, within my being, that God, the Holy Spirit, would move in a great and mighty way that I would worship you as you deserve today. I pray you move in our midst. I pray you move on each and every heart and each and every life that, Lord, we would put the things that are going on in the world, we would put the, all those things aside and that we would allow you to put the spirit of worship in us this morning. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that Satan be barred from this place, that your word would uh, dwell upon us, that it would move within us as only you can do it. And it's in the name of my Jesus I pray it. Amen. Verse 7 says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We have a new baby that was last week. Uh, Silas Wales with us today. Calvary Baptist Church has been blessed with many children. Nurseries are full. And you know, and I know it's a big thing for mothers as they prepare to bring those newborns home. It's something very special and there's always these pretty little outfits that are given to bring them home. That mother will set them aside and say, this is what I'm going to bring him home in or this is what I'm going to bring her home in. And they're dressed in little pink for the girls and blue for the boys. And what a special time that is. Amen? But Mary and Joseph were so poor that the king of glory was wrapped in swaddling clothes. As we contemplate, as we consider and we concentrate upon what Christmas is, 
as I have. Oh, what a blessing. What a miracle and what a gift has been given us. Swaddling clothes. Little more than rags. Not a beautiful little blue outfit. But not only that, there was no room in the inn as they searched for a place to stay. That Jesus Christ could even be born in a room. Placed in a barn. Laid in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. I cannot think or imagine a greater picture of poverty than that. Born in a stable, born in a barn, laid in a feeding trough, wrapped in a little more than rags, the Son of God, the Savior of all man. But what this does, in music, in message, in pageantry, Christmas appeals to the entire world. It doesn't matter what statue you are at today. It doesn't matter where you're at, what's going on in your life. The Christmas story, the giving of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, by God the Father through His grace and mercy, appeals to all today. In all of literature, in all of history, there is nothing uh, to reveal the sweeping interest, motive, celebration more than that we share than this time of year. The coming of a king. It seems that the spirit of Christmas recreates the entire earth and all people who dwell upon it. It's something that warms our very souls experiencing uh, this uh, celebration that we have at the end of every year. And it brings with it the symbol of hope of all humanity. Christmas, that's what it's about. It brings to mind angels appearing to simple working shepherds. Bringing the good news. It brings to mind as wise men journey for days upon days to visit and bow before the king. But it's an invitation. It is an invitation to the poor. It is an invitation to the forsaken and the, uh, the lost. And as well as it is an invitation to the rich and the wise, the whole earth can come and bow before the King of glory. That's the invitation of Christmas. As I thought on this and the gifts that consumes our lives. You hear it on the radio. You hear it on TV. Have you got all your Christmas presents? bought and I fear sometimes that we look at all this and we try to pressure ourselves up to focus on what we're giving to others instead of giving to God the glory that he deserves for the coming Christ we may lose that somewhere what does Christmas truly mean to you of course we give gifts and the reason we do that is because the gift that was given to us And when we give these gifts, we're to give them in the name of Christ. 
That's the reason we give them. And as I thought on this, you know, Mary wrapped the first Christmas present that was ever given. In all of art and literature and music, that holy scene, that holy family of a mother, child, and Joseph watching over, there is no time that has in it its beauty and its message more so than Christmas. The excitement of Christmas. I would believe that most people in this room say that I feel the spirit of Christmas. I get excited about Christmas. I believe most would say that. That there's something special about this time. But I say this morning, Let's make the excitement about a Christmas about what it truly is. What truly it means. And I want us to look at some things this morning. First of all, I see the prophecy in this. You know, the Old Testament is filled with the light and the glory that there's a Messiah coming. It had been proclaimed, it had been prophesied, it had been told that there is someone, God's going to send a promised person, He's going to send someone being righteous, He'll be a healer, He'll be the hope, He's for forgiveness and salvation to all the world. The Messiah will come. It began in the beginning, in the garden. After man's fall, God said to woman, in thy seed. The rabbis, the Jewish leaders, they could not understand this because woman doesn't have a seed. And then it finally came to them. They finally started to understand the meaning of this prophecy. What it meant there was going to be a young virgin girl to give birth without knowing man. You know, a lot of people just can't grasp that. They just can't get a hold of that. And I really don't understand why. Maybe I'm just not that smart to even try to figure it out. They just can't get a hold of the virgin birth. But I'm going to tell you why I believe it. I'm going to tell you what makes it real simple for me. Isaiah said, For a virgin shall be with child, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. That's all I need. I don't have to have an explanation. I don't have to have a sign to sit down with me and try to plead his case to me. God has already spoken. Jesus Christ come, born of a virgin, just as it was prophesied. He's the king of all. King of kings. But then some have a problem understanding or trying to understand that Jesus is God. Well, that's difficult, isn't it? I'm going to tell you, I sat out, I was visiting at a man's house one time. He had a little boy there, and he told him, said, Tell Brother Gary about who Jesus is. Boy, he cut through the story with me. I mean, he covered every detail. It's about five years old. Kept going through it. uh, Talked about the crucifixion. Talked about on the third day that Jesus Christ arose. Talked about that he ascended back into heaven and he's sitting in heaven today. And I added to his story as he finished it up. 
And I said, yeah, Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father, right? And he looked at me with a frowned up face and he said, no, Jesus is God. And I said, amen, you're exactly right. That's who he is. You could go to that nursery back there today and we could talk to them and tell them that Jesus Christ is God and there will be not one question asked about it. Some reason mankind, adults, have a problem holding on to this. Well, one thing is don't try to put it in your own reason. It's not about your own reasoning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's all I need. You see, Jesus Christ is all God. But Jesus Christ was all man. He's the God man. You know, man can't stand face to face with God. So what God done, God uh, sent someone that you could stand in front of. God sent someone in His likeness, in His uh, image. He sent someone so you and I could be in the presence of Jehovah. As we saw this video, I believe from Mount Sinai that that was God. Jesus showing up. The image of God. Remember what Jesus said? He has seen me, has seen the Father. What do you mean by that? If you've seen me, you've seen God. Because that's who I am. I am God. So when Jesus Christ speaks, you know what? It's God speaking. When Jesus walked among mankind, you know who it was? It was God walking with man. When Jesus suffered, uh, it was God who was suffering. When Jesus Christ wept, it was God who wept. And when Jesus Christ cried and was hurt, it was God who was hurting. So you know how God knows all things about us? You know how God is able to understand things about us? Hebrews chapter 4 clears it up for us. He said, For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tried (coughs) as we are, but without sin. Wherefore came boldly into the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Each and every one of us have suffered some type of pain, some more than others. And you could tell me about the pain that you've suffered or what's going on in your life. And Brother Charles, I really can't understand it. I can't really get a hold of that. All I can do is just take your word for it. I don't know what it feels like. I don't have any understanding of how miserable it might be. But I'll say this. There is no heartache in which God's heart isn't broken with ours. There's no tears that we may shed that God hasn't shed also. There's no suffering that well, we can suffer that He already doesn't know what it is. There's no sorrows. There are no frustrations. There's no disappointments. There's no hunger, despair, no experience that our God doesn't know about because they've been suffered through through Jesus Christ, His Son. Boy, that's great when you're praying. As I've said before, you know, 
I will be concerned for you. You can contact me at any time, say this is going on, and I will pray for you in it. But so often I believe we get confused on the first source that we need to go to. You could come to me and say, I am suffering through this. I have this going on in my family. And all I can really do is give sympathy in that. I may not have a clue of what you're feeling, but there is one that does. There's one that always knows. So often we get so consumed with telling someone else what shape we're in when we ought to just go to the master, the one that understands it, and give it to him. What a comfort we have today in prayer, and yet we forsake it so often. We see in this child of promise, we see God uh, manifested in the flesh, but we also see a hope. This is what I want us to grasp this morning. The world in which Jesus was born in. I want you to get this. He was born into a a Roman empire that was ruling the entire world. It was so bad that people would even throw themselves, cast themselves against swords and spears of the Roman legions. And not only that, but slavery was universal throughout this empire. Of a population of about 100 million, there were 60 million Of them were slaves. More than half were enslaved. At the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, if you were walking down the streets, uh, three out of every five you would meet were slaves. The Roman Empire would kill little girls after the first one was born legally. This is the type world that Jesus Christ came to. So what is God's answer to all this violence? What is God's answer to all the darkness and the hopelessness and the despair and the rage and the death of this world? What's God's answer for man? Would God send a great warrior to conquer the evil empire of Rome? Who men would follow, follow, would he gather up a great army to stop this Roman Empire? Is that the man God would send? No, he sent a little baby. And we know that God always knows best. God's always in control. But he sent a little baby. Mary couldn't have known all these things. This child in which God had placed in her was the Savior to all man. The hope of Christmas. Today around the world there are people suffering. Amen? Believe that? But you know there's still hope. It's not hope in what the United States will do. It's not hope in the Red Cross. It's not hope in what the Southern Baptists are carrying out. No, the blessed hope is in Jesus Christ that a better day is coming. Do you and I, knowing the story of Christmas, 
knowing the story of Christmas within our hearts because we have received the joy of Christmas. We have received the Redeemer. Do we show that hope for Christmas daily? Have we gotten so caught up in what the world says Christmas is by hanging ornaments on trees, putting lights on our homes, running from Walmart to here to there in a frantic pace, worrying about what we're going to cook when 15 people show up at our house? Have we forgot what Christmas is? God had a solution for man's problem. In eternity past, God knew how it was all going to turn out. And in eternity past, that divine plan had already been put together. He had already said, my son will come. I'll give that only begotten. He will come into a world that does not want to receive him, but yet he's still the hope of all who will receive him. He will come. He will live a perfect life. He will die on Calvary's tree. I will raise him on my authority, my power from the grave. He'll come back to man still being that blessed hope for all mankind. And God gave all of us unworthy sinners this great gift. And I'm going to tell you today that God just wants one thing from you. Your worship of what Christmas truly is. However, if we forget to buy someone a gift, if we forget to go pick up the potato salad, if we forget that there's a box still in the attic that has a bunch of ornaments in it, And if we forgot where the extension cord was to plug the lights up. Let's be sure. Let's be true to ourselves that we will not lose the worship of what Christmas truly is. And not only should we experience that in our heart, and I believe that if we'll get the true joy of Christmas in our hearts, it will pour out of us and it will spew over in this world to see what Christmas means to us. So what's your Christmas looking like today? What's your experience of Christmas showing And what brings you joy in it? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank.